fellow travelers, and welcome once again to the Unbroken Ground. My name is Paul, and I am so glad that you are are joining us uh, for the first time or many, many times, uh, wherever you fit on that spectrum. So glad that you're here. This is episode 32 called Are You For Real? And I'm just going to uh, talk about the idea of authenticity and and what that means and what that means to follow Jesus uh, and where that takes us. So as always, if uh, you have any thoughts, comments, replies, you can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash the unbroken ground, or you can email the unbroken ground at gmail.com. Or as always, you can find me on Instagram at the unbroken ground. Um, So yeah, thanks again for listening. And here we go. We're going to jump in. So the other day I was uh, scrolling through Reels uh, on Facebook. I don't have TikTok, but there was a there was a guy and he was proclaiming the um, superior to, superiority of the King James version of the Bible. And the way that he described it is that the the KJV, the King James version, had zero error, whereas uh, all other versions had um, a uh, a bit of error. Um, and um, so he, he described it as drinking water. Um, the, 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 K, the KJV was somehow the, the pure water and the, um, the, the, any other translation was then some water that also included some toilet water, just, but just a little bit. And he was like, well, I know which one I want to drink from. And I just, as I watched it, and as I read through the comments below, uh, the video, just curious to see what people were going to say. I just, my thought that I had really is not to debate which version of the, the Bible is correct or, or which translation is the best. Um, although I'll talk about that for just a little bit um, and why I think that that um, this guy is off base. Um, but the question is, he's off base. But is it because um, he is being in just disingenuous? Uh, he's being fake. Uh, he is has decided to believe something, uh, or or he just the, the, he doesn't have. He's looked into it, I guess. Maybe he hasn't. Um, but it is. It's the question I think is: Are you for real? Um, and and so here's here's why I asked that question. Now, here's the deal: um, the King James version was written was translated. Um, a long time ago, about 300 years ago. Um, and it was translated using uh, whatever text they had at the time, a lot of it from Latin, um, which was also a translation, because if, you, if, you, if you've studied or know anything about scripture, then you know that um, the original scriptures were written in two languages, uh, Hebrew and Greek. So the Old Testament was in Hebrew. Um, the New Testament was written in Greek. Uh, with some some spatterings of Aramaic in there, and then those are translated. And so when you get to to like the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Empire, those are are translated into Latin. So that's a translation from Hebrew to Latin. And then uh, the, so the King James version is actually a translation of the uh, really the Latin translations that are then translated. Uh, and and eh, who knows? Maybe they'd go back and go back to some original language and use those for translations. But here's the deal. In the last 100 years, 
due to archaeological finds, due to just the ability to um, gather resources, we have found um, so many transcripts that um, are in the original that are from the original times. Uh, or close to the original times, and that are in the original man- and languages, and and we have used those to um, update some parts of the of the Bible and the way that we translate those things. Um, now, there's a couple of things to note here. It, it, nothing that is what we would consider major theological points has changed. Nothing is where we're like, oh, well, that's that's not what was intended. Um, nothing like that. Um, so. That, that's something important to remember. Like it, we've we've found um, more sources, we found more scrolls and and original um, source material, but none of it changes anything major. It doesn't change um, anything in the Bible as far as what you believe. All right, number two. All translation is an art um, and not an exact science. So when you're when we're translating, there are choices that translators have to make about what a passage is trying to say um, based on the context, based on on theological consistency, based on the best scholarly um, attempts that they have. And so some of that is um, has been updated, has changed the way we look at certain things, certain words, certain certain ways. Um, and so that is, but but there just has to be choices that are made. Anytime you translate something from one language to another, choices have to be made about how best to translate that. And and that's one of the things that like the, the KJV has going against it is that the the way that it was translated, and the words that were that made sense to those people in that day, don't exactly make the same sense or, or aren't aren't well known. Uh, a lot of them by the by people of this day, and so um, so that's just another. It's just kind of a knock against it because it's not it's not that it has a poor translation; it's that it translates it into things that um, we we may or may not even understand. Um, we may not even we would may even need a dictionary to look up and understand those words because we don't. Those words are not in the circulation of what we do for English today. So, and then and then three, um, you have. Some very scholarly people that are that are working through these translations, but the the um, amazing thing is is that they all agree on the fine points or the finer points or the major points of what it means to follow Jesus, and and so for um, for th- for those who are for one version over another. Um, I think it's okay to have a preference, um, but I think it's disingenuous to think that um, your version of the scripture uh, is somehow superior, uh, and and like the saving gr- power um, is somehow in your version, but it's not in others. And I think that's disingenuous. And and so that's where I would say, does this guy? And again, I don't even know him from from Adam. I'm sure he. Uh, is very trying very hard to follow Jesus and but does this guy um, is he being disingenuous because he just ignores all of that um, is is he believing that there's some kind of magical I don't know, not magical but there's some kind of spiritual protection that God had um, only for the King James version that that um, not only was the original scripture and its languages God breathed but also the translation um, I mean you, you 
I I don't wouldn't necessarily agree with him, but I mean that's at least I would be okay. I, I could get I could see where if you believe that, then you would come to some of these conclusions. But to just um, be like, oh, I don't like new things. I don't like anything that um, isn't the way it was. Um, and and again, we have to remember that the KJV at one time was a new translation. Um, it wasn't. It it, it it I mean. It's amazing that we've been, and I grew up with the KJV. So, um, but there's just some some things, and and I think it just it just really leads into um, this thought I have of just like what it what what people want today uh, when we think about the world, when we think about what it means to follow Jesus, is I think that they want what is real. They want what is real. Um, they they. Uh, I think that if you read Jesus's words and and you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you believe that he does know some things about human life, um, that the followers, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you're you're going to want to live in a certain way because it reflects it. It shows that you believe that Jesus is real. Um, and so again, this is not necessarily, I'm, I'm kind of moving on. What I'm trying to say with Bible verses and whatnot is that um, I don't know if that guy's for real, if he's being disingenuous, as in he was just, he's just playing up a part. I don't know, but I just, I know that's, that I think that the thing that gets me is that when we as followers of Christ try to pretend like we know all things that we can do all things and and that we don't struggle that we don't that we don't have doubt that we don't have issues that we where where we go through we don't know if we're hearing from God we don't know what we're hearing and and, and when we pretend like um when we pretend like that's the case it 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 makes following Christ less real it seems inauthentic to say that we believe in a God who wants to guide and direct us, and yet we can't, we don't hear or listen to him or even try. Um, and, and I think what the world wants, what the world needs, especially today, especially younger kids and, adult, and college-gage kids and, and younger adults, is that they want something that's real. They want something that's authentic. They want something that is meaningful to all parts of their lives and not just a, 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 a moment in time, a, a, a box to check, a place to go. And so when, when we as Christians, when we portray something or when we back something in, in such a way that you just, you're just like, oh, that's not, that's not authentic or real. Um, it causes, it actually causes a real problem because they begin to think that what you believe is fake and, and, and rightfully so, because if you say that you believe if you follow a God who can, can, do all things, who can heal all things, who can, can, um, will guide and direct you. And that even if, even if you are in the fire, if you're in the flames, you'll still praise God. But yet when you're, but your life doesn't reflect that, then it, then it's not real. And people watching you were just like, well, do you really believe that? It's like having a chair and, and, t- and talking about how much you love that chair and how great it is and how comfortable it is. And they're like, okay, we'll go sit in a chair. And you're like, no, nah, I'm good. And it's like, well, but but you but don't you believe that it's it's great that it's comfy that it's the place that you need to sit? And you're like, yeah, no, 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 I believe all that. I believe all that. Well, I mean, I I have believed that for a long time. Okay, we'll go sit in the chair. 
no, nah, I'm, I'm good. And, and people go, well, you don't, it sounds like you don't believe that the chair is that comfy, that, that it can hold you, that, that you think that the chair is as good as you say it is. It just sounds like you've, you just learned how, that you're going to talk about this chair and, and the things that you learned, maybe somebody told you, maybe it was a salesman, maybe you paid, maybe you got sold on the chair and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you realize that you don't know if you believe it or not. You don't believe it enough to put your faith in it. And, and I think sometimes that's what we do with, with, with Jesus is that um, we, are, uh, we, we, are, we are given enough information to know to say things about Jesus, to say things about following Jesus, um, that, that they sound really good. And, and, and we definitely can say that, well, I'm living on this. And, 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 but the question then is, just, is, is it real, though? Do you really follow Jesus? And, and I, think, I think we struggle with this because, A, we can't know people's hearts. Um, so I can't tell uh, if you are following Jesus with all you have. It, Jesus, Jesus gives us a, a, a system. He says they'll know you by your love or they'll know you by your fruit. James says that in the book of James, right? He says, hey, if you want to show me your faith, show me your deeds, you can't, you, you can't show your faith without your deeds. You can't live a life of faith without your deeds. He said, and so he's like, a faith without works is dead. A faith that, that, that doesn't um, motivate and, uh, and guide you to move further, to follow Jesus in more ways, to follow deeper, is dead because it's not an, a faith that's actuating anything. It's just, instead of faith, what you have is just assent to a certain principle. And, and so there's this, um, there's this verse in first Corinthians, uh, chapter three, um, that I've been thinking a little bit about, and I haven't thought through all of it yet. So don't, this is not a full, um, exhortation or, or, um, deep dive into this. Um, but this is what it says. It says, if anyone builds on this foundation, this is verse 12 in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to the light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer a loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. I think that uh, what really strikes me is this idea that we, um, we, we, we sell the gospel as a simple one-time decision that you make to follow Jesus, and you're good. And if you want to go deeper, you can. That's an option, but it's just an option. But... I think that that really people are asking the question of is if the good news is real, if the gospel is real, then shouldn't it make a difference in how we live? Shouldn't it shouldn't it di- totally direct how we live? Shouldn't it change how we live? And and there seems to be um Paul acknowledges here, there seems to be uh people who can take the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, and can build on it in a number of ways. 
And, and what it affects is, is not your salvation. You're still going to experience salvation. He says that even though everything is burned up, you will still be saved. But what it affects is the reward that you get. And, and so there is this question of, okay, well, what is that? What does that even mean? Like, why, why are we, what is this, what, what does it mean to live for a reward? What does it mean to be, to, for, to have God say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and I think we, we stop well short of that most of the time when we're talking to people, um, because we have, we have, there's a little bit of, uh, fear, and I've talked about this before, but there's a lot of fear to think that um, we want to so far avoid uh, the idea that you're saved by your your works. That that you're like, oh, I'm I'm a good person. I do enough. I I will find so, that's how that's where I find my salvation. Is that I find it by being a good person. I do enough, and and we're like, no, that's that's not that's not the case. Like that's not how it works, and and so we're so afraid of anyone entertaining that idea that we that we try we run we swing the pendulum so far in the other way it's like you can't do anything you you can't do anything to know to to have to have faith to have save saving grace and and then there's like then i and i i think my favorite thing to say is that that nothing you do saves you but but because you're saved, there's things that you should do. Nothing, nothing you do saves you, but because you're saved, there's things you should do. If you, if you have experienced the gospel of Jesus, you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, then he has prepared for you, he has prepared for you work. He has things for you to do, not because you're earning your salvation or somehow paying Jesus back, but because... That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus doesn't just mean that you said a prayer and got baptized and now you're good to go and you can, you know, you'll come back and collect on death. All right, I said my prayer. All right, I'll come back when it's death time, then I can go to heaven. And that's that's not what it means. What following Jesus means is like you get invited into the kingdom now and into eternity. You get invited into the kingdom work now and into eternity. And, 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 and so people on the outside looking in, they go, hmm, is this real? Is this real? Where, where, where's the proof? Where's the... Where, where is the, the data that shows that this is real? And, and I think that we have to avoid being disingenuous. We have to avoid being fake. Because the world expects that now. Oh, yeah, well, they, they believe in Jesus. They, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that they, yeah, they kind of are judgmental, that they... Um, don't like certain people that that they're going to tell you um, they're going to be conservatives. They're going to be Republicans. They're they're not gonna um, they're not they're not going to be progressive at all. They're they're um, they're one step away from you know being degenerate. Basically, um, those are the, those are the expectations. And so um, when we are in the in the world and interacting with the world. When we when we come up against those things, when we come against those ideas, and we instead of uh, holding up the truth of who Jesus is, we we push in, we push against, we fight back, and people go, "Ah, oh, do you believe 
the words that Jesus say. And, and I think that it's like, oh, okay, well, which ones, right? Which words, which words do you want me to believe? Which words do you want me to live out? And I think that you just have to go back to the two greatest commandments, which is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And second of the same is to love others as yourself. You go, okay, does my life reflect that? Yeah. Does, my, does my life reflect that I love God with everything that I have and I love others? Because I think that if somebody from the outside looking in is like, okay, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Does my life reflect that I love him? Does my life reflect that I love others as myself? That I love my enemies? That I love those who persecute me? That I bless those who would want harm to come to me? And when we don't do those things, when those are secondary or tertiary or not even in the top three of things that we plan on doing with our lives, the outside world looks in and says, you're not, this isn't real. This isn't real to you. It's a chair that you won't sit in. It's a chair that you'll talk, you'll, you'll wax on and on about how great it is, but you won't actually sit in it. And, and some of that, I think, is hard because so much of what it means to follow Jesus is to become attuned to, listen to the Holy Spirit. Because uh, that's what Jesus tells us, is that, that Jesus goes away. As he gives us the Great Commission, go out into the world, tell people the good news, and baptize them in my name. He says, I'm leaving so that a comforter, so that, that, that and, and in fact, he, the disciples are like, Jesus, don't go. I mean, uh, like uh, like kindergartens getting dropped off. Uh, kindergartners getting dropped off for the first day of school. Mom, don't go. And she's like, No, no. It's actually better that I go because when I go, then the Spirit will be poured out on you. The Spirit's access to the Holy Spirit will be made for everyone who believes in Jesus. And see, we're we're, we're especially conservative, um, traditional. Baptists were very skeptical of the spirit because it's it's a little wild. It's a little hard to control um, because it is God, and you can't control God. You you can't. Um, and so, like the Holy Spirit is actually the thing that if you if you want to be changed, if you want to follow God, you you need the Spirit. And in fact, if you don't have the spirit and you are following God, all you're doing is following man-made rules or even God-made rules on your man-made energy. And, and when you do that, it's like building on the foundation, not with gold and silver and things that last, but with hay and straw and it, and it gets burnt away. You'll be saved, but you'll smell like smoke. And so, so one of the things that we should do, one of the things we need to do, especially in our churches today, is to figure out how to hear the voice of God, how to hear the Holy Spirit and follow it. Um, and, and I think that it is um, one of the things that, that we so wish that we had the job of. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict people of sin and to change their hearts. We, we would love that that be our job, right? We would love to be able to look outside, to see other people outside our church, outside our community, or even just outside our homes and our hearts, and to see what they are doing and go like, ah, that's sin. I need, they need to stop. I need to, I, somebody needs to tell them. It probably needs to be me. 
and and there's this whole like hold on the holy spirit's at work the holy spirit's at work the holy spirit is is the thing that will change people's hearts attitudes minds and rarely will we as people outside the power of the spirit change anyone in fact you you can't if you if people do things or behave a certain way because you want them to, you become the one in charge. You didn't change them; they just they just bow down to to the what you're wanting them to do. And so Jesus says, "No, the Holy Spirit will come." Paul says, "It's the Holy Spirit will come, and it will reveal, it will convict people of their sin, and it will teach them how to change." And and so where we miss is that we. Don't even stop to consider, is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? We miss that. We miss that because we're because it's 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 not something that we're super comfortable with because it's not something we can control. Like Jesus says, Hey, you don't know where the wind comes from, you don't know where it goes. How would you understand the spirit? And and then it gets mixed into not that I'm saying this can't, these are not actual things. I'm just saying it gets mixed into people who are filled with the Spirit are like, well, that just means that you get to speak in tongues. That just that's what filled with the Spirit means. But there's a, there's that's not the only thing that it means. In fact, speaking in tongues, if you read, read scripture, is a gift. And gifts are not for everybody. So not everybody should do that. So that can't be what the Holy that can't be what following the Holy Spirit means. That can't be what filled with the Holy Spirit means. And and so where we have gone the other side of that in, in, in conservative Baptist thinking, and we've said, oh, what it means is that the spirit, um, that no one speaks in tongues, um, which again, I, there's a lot of stuff that, that you got to work through on that. Um, I, I think that the spirit, the spiritual gifts are um, come into play where God wants them to come into play. He uses them. Um, sometimes he uses the the supernatural um, ability of the spirit to translate between languages. Um, so, but but I but I am loath. I'm I am hesitant always to put God in any kind of box. And so, can God heal people? Sure. Why? Because he's God. God can do whatever he wants. He's great. He's mighty. He's much He's much higher than I am. He's, his thoughts are more than my thoughts. His ways are more than my ways. And even when I think I know what I have, that if I think I have my life figured out, or if I think I know, God, this is where you're leading me, his thoughts are still far above my own. And, and I have to be humbled by that and, and be willing to, to submit to that. And to ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to me and on my behalf. That it would direct me, that it would guide me, that it would convict me, that it would change me, that it would do its work so that I would be more like Jesus every day. And so I think we have to, like to be real, you have to say, yeah, there's this, there's this, there's this Holy Spirit who's God that's, that's working in my life as much as I let it. And, that, and that's the thing, like, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they are, they're gentlemen. They're, they're just not going to drag you to the place that you need to be. They aren't going to prod you. They're not going to nag you. They're going to say, hey, do you want to be on this journey with me? And you say, yes. They're like, all right, let's go. And if you say no, they go, we'll wait for you. But we're not going to drag you. We're not going to force you. If you want to follow, if you want to hear from the Spirit, 
that's all you. You've got to seek God. And when we don't, then, then is it real? And, and I think in this case, when I say real, what I mean is, is it truly following Jesus if we aren't seeking him with all our hearts? And then we aren't seeking to hear the Spirit. That we aren't asking the God to, God to direct us. If, if we think, ah, I've said a prayer, I'm done, checkbox, see you in heaven. Paul seems to indicate that that, yeah, that'll happen. You'll, you'll make it to heaven and, and you'll, you'll have no reward and you'll smell like smoke. Because, because God's not going to drag you into discipleship. He's not going to drag you into a deeper relationship. He's not going to, the Holy Spirit's not going to pull you up a mountainside. He's not, they will wait patiently. They will wait patiently for you. They will look down the road for you to come back to them like the prodigal son's dad, the father in that. But they're not going to come get you. They're not going to come drag you out. They're not going to come and pick you up and say, hey, follow, get out, you know, you know not just follow me, but if you, I'm going to drag you if you don't. And so, so we have to listen. And, and I think the final thing, so, the, 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 so we've got to be real, is we have to decide that, we, that there's more to the good news than just salvation that happens because you die. Two, um, we have to decide that we have to ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us, to lead us, to change us, to guide us, to convict our hearts, to, change, to make us, to give us power, all the things that the Spirit does. And three, uh, I, think, I think it has to be done in community. Uh, I, I think it has to be done in community, that we, we were made to, to, to lift each other up, we were made to support one another. We were made to push each other on. And so we need community. And so, so like, when we read Scripture and we hear the Holy Spirit, and then, and then we kind of need somebody to be like, hey, I'm, I'm hearing this. I'm thinking this. This is what I feel like God's revealing to me. What do you think about this? And then as we have that dialogue, like, the Holy Spirit speaking to both our hearts, speaking into the text, speaking into to what we are studying and learning, those are the ways that God moves and changes us. And, and he uses community. We're built to, to, to live together in a community that is spirit-filled. And, and, and that's why Jesus says, when two or three you gather in my name, I'm there. We need, we need each other. We need each other because the, the outflow, the, the most evident outflow production of what it means to follow God is that you love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love other people as you love yourself. And you can't do that if you don't have a community. If you are aloof and, and estranged and you're not part of community, you can't show your love for others. And when you isolate yourself, you can't show your love for your enemies. When you isolate yourself, you, you don't, that love doesn't even get challenged, and so you lose even an opportunity. You lose that the Holy Spirit can't work on your heart for th- things like that because you, you're outside of the realm of actually interacting with that. So here's the challenge. What is it God's calling you to do? To be real. To be real for somebody else today. To be real for yourself. To, to, to be able to describe the truth of who Jesus is and to trust him with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding, but just to, to lean back into those arms and just trust that he is going to guide you and direct you. That you will, that you will pray that the, the Spirit, Spirit, search me, know me, show me. Search me, know me, show me. Show me where, how I can live a life that's more aligned with yours. Spirit, speak to me. Show me where I don't love enough. Show me where I don't, I don't listen. Show me where I sin. And then find, find a community that says, hey, uh, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. I need support. I need care. I need love. And, and allow yourself to be cared and loved for in a community. Those are the challenges. To be real to a world that's seeking, that's, I mean, a world that's lonely and hurting and doesn't know what truth is. This is what it is. This is what we need to do as a church, as a Christian, as a follower. Follow Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul. Ask the Spirit to guide you. Ask Him, invite Him in to search you and to know you. And then, and then find your community. Find your people and do life together. It's not easy. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. We'd all already accomplished all these things. But it is, it is worth building. And it is worth building with gold and silver and things that will last and that won't be burnt up. That's my prayer for you guys, that you would find that somewhere, that you would find that, that you would seek that, that you would seek God with all that you have, that you would pray for the Spirit to, to know you and to show you, and that you would find that community. Um, so God bless. Hope that you f- hope you have that same prayer this week, and I hope you find ways uh, to connect. Mm-hmm.